Welcome to Hypnotic History, the podcast about 20th century life in the United States. I'm Ashley. And I'm Wendy. And I'm Logan. And today we're talking about Jell-O. You sounded really excited about Jello in that introdu- introduction. <laughs> I am, uh, even though I don't eat Jello. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. Uh, I found so much information about Jello this week. It really surprised me so much so that I had planned on talking about the company's full line of products, including puddings and pudding products. But I found so much information about gelatin alone that we're just going to stick with that today. Exciting. So, Wendy, tell us your Jell-O story. You know, I have a story. I have a story about everything. So, I really don't love Jell-O, and I've never loved Jell-O. I know that's unpopular opinion, and I'm sorry, Jell-O. I'm, I'm there with you. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, it's fine. <laughs> but I think the reason I don't love Jell-O is it stems from childhood, and I spent a lot of time in the hospital. Mm. And in the hospital, like, I okay. Backstory, sorry. Let me know if I'm going too far. Um, I lost my hearing when I was younger. Oh, my gosh. I know. Obviously, I have it back. I'm good now. But I had to have a lot of surgeries when I was younger. And, you know, a lot of doctor's appointments. It was awful. It was horrible. So um, I was in the hospital a lot, a lot of surgeries. And they would always bring in plates of food, awful food, hospital food, horrible. Jello was always on the menu. And I don't know what's up with hospital jello. It's not like regular jello. I don't know if it's a different brand, but when you try to put the spoon into that jello, it's like a different density. You can't get the spoon into that jello. It is and, unsatisfying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it has a different taste to it. And so now I think I equate jello with being into the hospital being in the hospital and, and that situation. So jello has a bad vibe for me. I don't like it. I associate jello with two things. Uh, the first thing is also medical. When I had a colonoscopy, Jello was the only thing that I was allowed to have the day before. Mm. It was Jello, but it couldn't be red because then it looked like you were bleeding. <laughs> yeah, that'd be bad. Um, non-red Jello and chicken broth Aww. were the only things that I could have the day before. Both of those sound horrible. But the other thing I associate Jello with is more fun than a colonoscopy (laughs) although that bar is not set very high what could be more fun (laughs) i don't know uh but i'll try when i was in high school a friend of mine had a party and everybody that came to the party was supposed to bring jello and when we got there we all dumped our jello into a kiddie pool and we wrestled oh, it. No. <laughs> and we did it tournament style, two people at a time, and then the winner goes on. I lost in the first round. I was a terrible jello wrestler. That is crazy. That's a crazy story. I know. And it's totally unlike me. <laughs> I know. I'm just imagining what parent would let you have a jello wrestling. I can't I would never which I'm also a neat freak too, but I can't imagine letting a jello wrestling party go on. Oh, I'm sure they didn't know. And my, <laughs> my mom listens to the podcast, so as she's hearing this, she's wondering who this was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome. Well, let's just dive in and talk about the history of jello. Gelatin itself had been around for hundreds of years before the creation of jello. 
but it was a time-consuming process. And it basically required that you had servants to do the work for you because it was so time-consuming and it had so many steps. This is the process described in the book Jello, a Biography by Carol Wyman. First, you had to get two calves' feet, scald them, take off the hair, slit them in two, and extract the fat from between the claws. Then you had to boil them, remove the scum, and boil again for as long as six or seven hours before straining, letting the product cool, skimming the fat, boiling once more, adding the shells and whites of five eggs to pick up impurities, skimming again, and straining twice through a jelly bag that you will have had to have made yourself. Then a jelly bag? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, you don't have a jelly bag? Is, hmm. was, what? Is there instructions for how to make a jelly bag? I'm sure there were, but not in this book. <laughs> then you would add flavoring, sugar, and spices, pour into a jelly mold, pack with ice, and go to bed while it's set. Okay. That sounds... Who who comes up with this that stuff? That is so unappealing. Who, like, who says, let's, let's boil this and... and Make this. Who does that? So much work for something so gross. It is, yeah. 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 Well, I can answer who would do that. This had been made as a dessert for hundreds of years, but it was especially popular during the Victorian era. Of course. So anybody who knows anything about English food, especially Victorian era English food, knows that they made a lot of really gross things, and gelatin desserts were one of them. I would not have survived. Yes. Uh, They were popular because they reflected candlelight. So they thought that was kind of pretty to put on the table. And the Victorian era saw the introduction of jelly molds. So you could mold the confections into artistic shapes. Uh, Doesn't help. (laughs) Still not interested. Nope. So what did the... What did the servants think of this? Well, in the 1877 book, Practical Cooking, Mary Henderson writes, I have made calves feet jelly twice and never intend to make it again. Mm, Amen. I mean, the, what, calves, calves foot? Uh Uh-huh. Like, the name alone should be enough to be like, hard pass. Never, Not for me. In the latter half of the 19th century, a few people were experimenting with an easy powdered gelatin, but these were often still time-consuming to use. And in the case of the most well-known at the time, which was Knox's sparkling granulated calves foot gelatin. Oh, gosh, that's disgusting. (laughs) uh, It was flavorless. And it also had to be made just right or it turned into a glue-like substance. Wouldn't you rather just have an apple? <laughs> like just, just like any piece of fruit. Treat yourself to an orange. Oh, yeah. In fact, the accompanying recipe books advised that soaking this instant gelatin too long created a mix that should only be used in cabinet work. Oh my goodness, why are we eating this? <laughs> Well, apparently people thought it was worth it because the experiments went on and this led to the product we know today as Jell-O. In what year do you all think Jell-O was invented? I'm going to say 1925. I was going to go with the 20s as well. 1897. Oh, Oh, wow. Okay, just a little off. What do you think the first Jell-O flavors were? There were four of them. Uh, probably something disgusting. Uh, I don't think so. I'll give you a hint. They're not bland. disgusting. <laughs> I would have to go 
I mean, could we have like a cherry maybe? There was eventually a cherry, but okay. that was not one, not of, one of the, the original four. So uh, grape. Nope. No strawberry. Orange. Strawberry and orange strawberry are two. Orange. So probably, each have one. Probably lime. Not no. lime. Pear. Okay. Mm-mm. Uh, Apple. Watermelon. Nope. How long do you want me to let you go? <laughs> I, think, I think we're good. Okay, so you all guessed strawberry and orange. The other two flavors were raspberry and lemon. Well, okay. I would have never guessed that. Jello was invented, ironically, by a carpenter, since we had just said that if you didn't make the uh, original powders correctly, they turned into a glue-like substance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was invented by a carpenter. His name was Pearl Waite. And he improved upon Knox's product by adding colors and flavors. His wife, May, was the person that came up with the name, although it's not entirely clear why she chose the name Jell-O. The most popular guess, and this is probably true, is that gel refers to jelly, and O may have been an attempt to emulate product names of the time, which popularly ended in O. For example, Grano. A grain-based drink invented by a lawyer. That sounds awesome. <laughs> named Orator Woodward. One of the things I love about researching these topics uh, are finding all these names that we just don't use anymore. Yeah. Like Pearl for a man and Orator. Uh, Grano should sound kind of familiar, um, a grain-based drink, because in our episode on coffee, we talked about grain-based drinks. Well, this was one of them. It was marketed as a safer alternative to coffee because it didn't have caffeine. It obviously wasn't the only one of its kind because we've talked about them before. Woodward was actually sued by Postum. Postums, mm. yeah, bringing Postums back. Yeah, because they had a similar seal on both of their products. Uh, he himself bought out the rye drink called Ryo. Just to put it out of business. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Uh, And this is thought to be less about them both making similar drinks and more about the fact that their name was Ryo, or they're both, sorry, both of their names ended in O. Um, So he wanted to eliminate competition that was taking away uh, from his, it was a similar drink, it used a similar name, so he wanted to put it out of business. Uh, For these reasons, it's believed uh, that he bought Jell-O. So, well, I say that in a weird way. It isn't believed he bought Jell-O. He did. He okay. bought Jell-O. But it's believed he did it for a similar reason because of its name sounding so much like Grano. Okay. He did this through his Genesee Pure Food Company in 1899. How much do you think he purchased Jell-O for? $15,000. Mm, I was going to say $5,000. Uh-huh. $450. Oh, Wow. I know, but he got a great return on his investment because in 1925, he sold it to Postum. How much was it sold for? Uh, $10,000. $50,000. $67 million. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we don't know how many works back in this time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody could have guessed those two figures. Jell-O owes a lot of its success to good timing. During the first half of the 20th century, each decade presented an opportunity for Jell-O to showcase its benefits. For example, when it was initially released, the Industrial Revolution meant many women were without servants for the first time. 
Uh, so because those people, they could go work in factories and earn higher wages. So Jello was a way for anyone to be able to create beautiful desserts, even women who didn't have help and may have never been in the kitchen. Another bit of good timing was the, ri the rise of something called domestic science. Domestic science aimed to apply science and technology principles to the home for efficiency. They also promoted foods that were both nutritionally sound and pretty. So, you know, Jell-O fits the bill pretty well. It's efficient, it's nutritional, it's pretty. Housekeeping expert Marion Harland wrote, even the woman who cannot cook need have no difficulty in devising a new dessert every day if she is supplied with jello and common sense. <laughs> oh, gosh. How kind. <laughs> Philadelphia Cooking School's Sarah Tyson Rohrer also chimed in on jello, and she wrote this in all caps. <laughs> so it's like it's she's yelling this yes. to us, which makes me imagine that is be being said in the same voice as David Lynch's character on Twin Peaks, if you've ever oh. seen it. Uh, and Andrew does a great impression, oh, great. in my opinion. Okay. Or sorry, Logan does a great impression, <laughs> in my I'll opinion. Right. Now I've got pressure on here. Okay. Why should any woman stand for hours over a hot fire? Mixing compounds to make people ill. When in two minutes, with an expense of 10 cents, she can produce such attractive, delicious desserts. <gasps> wow. I would have liked some warning before that. <laughs> I really think that Jello is missing out on an opportunity <laughs> to have David Lynch advertise uh... for them. I would like for David Lynch to advertise everything. That would be... I would listen. I would listen. <laughs> Involuntarily. <laughs> well, Jell-O also capitalized on its low price and its ability to make food stretch, especially during both World Wars and the Great Depression. Although the company had always printed recipes for something called Jello salads, where food is suspended in the gelatin. Mm. Oh, that's suspended. That is. <laughs> oh, man. These decades in particular saw the rise in this practice and some really gross recipes. In 1930, they created the lime flavor specifically for Jello salads. The Farmer's Wife magazine wrote. Jello salads welcome, say the women of America. Shimmering, luscious, jello salads are making this a salad nation. <laughs> Open the cupboard door and peep in. What do you see? A bit of fish? A little meat or cake? Some grape juice? Scarcely enough to serve more than one or two persons. Then lend an ear to Jell-O's magic, for Jell-O can make those tiny portions into delicious dishes to serve six to eight persons. Out of next to nothing at all, Jell-O can help you contrive surprises that your family will prefer to many a far more expensive dish. I would we're, like to go on the record and say nobody wants that. We're shoving everything into Jell-O. And <laughs> this is where I'm, I guess this is the time I'll make a reference to the 18th century uh, because we follow a YouTube channel called Townsend's that primarily does cooking. And we noticed that, like, they were putting everything in pies. Like, pies for everything. <laughs> shove it in a pie, bake it. Shove it in a pie and bake it. I feel like we do the same thing with Jell-O. Mm. Like, there was nothing they did not put in, they did not suspend in Jell-O. 
And I don't care if it is green. I don't feel comfortable calling it a salad. <laughs> yeah, not a salad. I always thought that was a bold choice of words to <laughs> yeah. say it's a salad. It's like, well, we're str- that's the word salad's doing a lot of heavy lifting there. <laughs> but I think sho- being able to shove anything into Jello was kind of the point because when you had just scraps of a lot of different things, that was a way to turn it all into a meal again. Now. Is it a meal that, as they say, your family will prefer to many a far more expensive dish? No. No. (laughs) I'm sure not. Uh, But that was kind of the point. So let's talk about some more gross recipes. Oh, yes. (laughs) What else can we suspend in (laughs) Jell-O? So these recipes came from a variety of places, but I want to give a plug for my favorite. My favorite is the book Amazing Magical Jell-O Brand Desserts, published in 1977. Magical. Yes. It has some genuinely good recipes. So if you actually like Jell-O and you want some decent recipes, uh, this one has some crazy ones, but it has some decent ones as well. And they also rank each recipe by difficulty because it's a book of recipes made to be used with children. So they rank them by difficulty and some of them are even suitable for toddlers to make. It's Hmm. also subtitled Magic Tricks by Marvelo the Great. And it does indeed include magic tricks interspersed between the recipes. Also, I know, where does it end? Magical jello. <laughs> it has a series of drawings on the bottoms of the pages. So if you flip the book one way, you see a kid eating a mound of jello. Oh, and if you flip the pages another way, you see a rabbit coming out of a hat. Wow, that's, there's a lot going on in this book. I was going to say, the energy and time they spent on this book is kind of impressive. Yeah. It was obviously a work of love. Yeah. <laughs> So I encourage everybody to go out and get it. Again, it's called Amazing Magical Jello Brand Desserts Plus Magic Tricks by Marvelo <laughs> the Great, published in 1977. It is on the internet. If you go to archive.org, you can access it, but you won't be able to flip the pages to make the animations go. Then it's not worth it. I know. But let's talk about some of those recipes. So these came from several sources, not just that book. I'm going to list some Jell-O recipes, and I want you to tell me if they are actual Jell-O recipes from a recipe book or not. Jell-O ketchup. No. 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 (laughs) Thank goodness. Jell-O cookies. Yes. Yes. No. Oh. Actually, you know what? It sounds like something that might exist. I made it up, but it might exist somewhere. Jellied coleslaw. Yes. Yeah. 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 (laughs) This was called perfection salad. No. No, it is not. No. (laughs) Jello cheese loaf. Sure. Yes. That sounds disgusting. You all have an odd radar for what is and isn't jello. (laughs) Yeah, you're right again. Uh, The ad for this proclaimed that it was cheese glorified. (laughs) Oh, my. Jello glazed roast duck. Yeah. I'm going to say no because that sounds too normal. Yes. Oh. Horseradish relish. Uh, I'm going to say no. no. It is true. Oh. It involves combining bell pepper, lemon jello, vinegar, pimentos, and horseradish. Okay. Jello salad dressing. Yes. No. No. Oh. A banana on a stick covered in jello. Of course. Yes. Yes. You gotta have that. <laughs> this is called a banana wobbler. Oh, no. <laughs> no. 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 Strawberry jello yogurt. 
Yes. 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 It's exactly what it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) The recipe also suggests using alphabet cereal to spell your child's name on top. Okay. That's very creative. Jello Alfredo. Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't want that to be a real thing, but it probably is. It is not. Oh, thank goodness. Jello Banana Split. Yes. Yes. Yes, this recipe called Hocus Pocus Banana Split substitutes <laughs> Jello for the ice cream. Tomato jelly. Yes. Yes. Yes, this consists of tomato and orange gelatin served on lettuce leaves with mayonnaise. Oh. <laughs> mm. Jellied pancakes. No. Yes. No. Although one food stretching suggestion during the depression was to put stale cinnamon toast in Jello. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Jello chicken salad. Oh, certainly. Yes. Yes. In this recipe, chopped chicken and nuts of any kind are suspended in lemon Jello. It is to be served garnished with lettuce or parsley and mayonnaise. Hmm. And it's clear that these, those are, that's it. I'm not going to torture you anymore with any other recipes. Uh, But as disgusting as some of these are, I think that by their clear weirdness, they just seem so purely American. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just like there is no, there's no limit to what we can do. Uh, I'll just say if any listener out there wants to take one of the ones that's not real and make a recipe... Please do. <laughs> and send us pictures. I, I, I want, oh, yeah. You know. I want somebody to make Jello Alfredo. Yes, mm-hmm. Jello Alfredo. Create it. Make it real. <laughs> if you can dream it, you can make it. Yes. So, well, although gelatin has a history of being served in several countries and Jello itself has caught on around the world, it's pretty easy to look at these and other recipes and say that they are truly American monstrosities. <laughs> And even when it was first sold, Jello was a new food for many immigrants. So I'm going to read you some quotes. The following are quotes from the Ellis Island Immigration Museum. So the first one is from an immigrant named Paul Larrick. It doesn't say where he's from. Most of the people, being from Europe and other parts, had never seen Jello before. And when Jello was served for dessert, hardly anyone touched it. Not so much because they didn't like the taste, but because they didn't like the wobbly texture. I mean, it's an unnatural thing. It's a tech, yeah, it's, it's a texture thing. Yes, it's, if you've never seen it before and you've only experienced traditional foods, you're going to be like, "What is this? <laughs> what is going on here?" Hilda Broxus of Germany said, "We were sitting there in this long dining room with these massive tables and all the dishes tied to the table because of the ship moving." And they served Jello as a first course. It was a square piece of Jello, and as the ship was moving, the Jello was wiggling. And they told us we could eat this Jello. I was really frightened by this piece of orange Jello. <laughs> frightened, I like as that. As she should be. <laughs> Welcome to America. Yes. Eat this wobbly little brick. <laughs> Austria's Rita Staniland said. Everybody was seasick, and I think one of the things I remember most, we would go into the dining room, and I had never had pudding or jello before. Don't ask me why, but their sitting was a glob of it, and the motors, of course, there was a vibration on the ship, and this thing is sitting there shimmying. I had a little tough time with that. <laughs> yeah, that would. Uh... I can see that, yep. Yeah. Imagine being seasick 
and they're serving you Jello. Oh, <laughs> but be... like Wendy said, they serve you Jello in hospitals when you're not well. Apparently, it's supposed to be one of the best things when you're sick because it coats your stomach mm-hmm. and it has protein in it. And well, obviously, if it's made from animals, it's going to have protein and things in it that's going to to help you. And I would rather just be sick. I think. I think so too. <laughs> Capitalizing on the 10 million new citizens entering the U.S. between 1905 and 1915, by the way, Jell-O translated its recipe books into French, German, Spanish, Swedish, and Yiddish. Oh, okay, that's a curveball. So the immigrants weren't too keen on Jell-O, but Jell-O was keen on them as potential customers. Jell-O was also marketed in a number of other ways. To promote sales in the early 1900s, salesmen went door to door sharing Jello recipe booklets and putting up large canvas Jello signs, which, by the way, local farmers were not thrilled about. One salesman, Sid Ward, remembers We were shot at several times by outraged natives, but only once with any effectiveness. The birdshot was removed from the salesman at the next town, and the operation charged up as a veterinarian fee. Repairs on horses were a legitimate expense, but not repairs on salesmen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Other salesmen, and by 1915, saleswomen, promoting Jell-O, attended church socials and fairs to share samples and hand out promotional items like molds, spoons, and dishes. This was copied in the 1960s when Jell-O Fruit Mold Supreme... <laughs> Supreme came out with its own aluminum mold. So if you bought that variety of Jello, it came with the mold. Perhaps the most famous early Jello marketing plan was something called the Jello Girl, or should I say, someone called the Jello Girl. The Jello Girl was artist Franklin King's four-year-old daughter Elizabeth, who was photographed on the family's sun porch once a month until she was an elderly eight years old and replaced by drawings. (laughs) Yes, you're too old. We need someone else. Aged out. (laughs) These illustrations of her ran until she was nearly 50. Oh, wow. Wow. I find that interesting because, yes, they started in 1904 and she was four, so I guess she was born in 1900. So I guess it ran until nearly 1950, but I'd never heard of the Jell-O Girl before. Never in my life. Yeah. Let's talk about some other Jell-O advertising, shall we? Absolutely. Which of the following were also part of Jell-O advertising? Using Jack Benny as a spokesman. Yes. No. Yes. Oh. In 1934, Jell-O created a radio show starring Jack Benny. In his memoir, Sunday Nights at 7, he wrote, Jell-O came in six delicious flavors. All of them... Well, I guess I should say, uh, Logan, do you do a Jack Benny impression? Uh, not really. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> then I guess I'll read it myself. Jell-O came in six delicious flavors, all of them totally ignored by the consumers. <laughs> From coast to coast, stores were stocked with mountains of unsold Jell-O. The board of directors considered scrapping the entire product, but as a last-ditch stand, they hired me. <laughs> With Jell-O sales slow to pick up, the cast salaries were going to be reduced for the radio show until Benny and his wife, Mary Livingstone, gave up their salaries entirely to prevent other people from having their salaries cut, which makes me feel warm inside because I really like Jack Benny. Yeah. 
Yeah. Also, this is totally out of character for uh, his persona. For, yeah. For everyone out there under the age of 80, his his persona was very miserly and tight mm-hmm. with money. So so it's kind of funny that in real life he gave up his salary. To, to help keep the people employed. And yeah, paid. that's a good story. When sales of Jell-O picked up again in 1935, the company held a party where they presented Benny and Livingstone with their lost wages. They also gave them a six-tier Jell-O mold dessert. Oh. A little punishing there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's the reward. And just so you know, Jack Benny never ate Jell-O. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Let's talk. And that that took a lot of storytelling. So just to remind you of where we are, I'm listing advertising strategies and you tell me if they're true or false so on to the next one what about suggesting jello is served at the white house oh yes. certainly no oh i'm sorry you're so disappointed <laughs> i feel like that that Why would be they? obvious is like try to slip some into the white house there i think it was served at the white house but this wasn't part of their advertising that oh, I know of. I was going to yeah. say, why do they not have to be punished like the rest of us? <laughs> what about appealing to veterans? Yes. Uh, sure. Yes. Immediately post-war, uh, and this would have been World War One. Jello advertised in American Legion Weekly. This became oddly popular considering that most of its readers were men. Uh, but many readers requested Jell-O recipe books after seeing it advertised. There was also a series of American Legion Weekly ads drawn by Herbert Stoops, which included one ad that had a picture of a one-legged soldier on crutches and read, The absence of mud, filth, and general discomforts of the line, plus the presence of young and capable women who spoke English, were enough to make even the gloomiest and coldest of harsh stone hospital wards cheerful. What nurse did not wish that she could bring out a dainty dish of jello to satisfy those dejected appetites? Those poor soldiers. (laughs) How about sending jello to the moon? Oh, I th- I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say no. They tried. I wish it were true, but it's <laughs> not. What about using Norman Rockwell to draw ads? Yes. Uh, probably, yeah. Yes, this is true. How about altering children's stories to feature Jello? Oh, definitely. Uh, yes. That's yeah. how that's how Humpty Dumpty was repaired was through <laughs> Jello. You know, Humpty Dumpty is one of them. <laughs> no. In 1908, Jello began adding little pamphlets to product boxes. These pamphlets had recipes, but also children's stories. For example, Mary, Mary, quite contrary, grows silver bells and cockle shells and rows of sweet Jello. Oh no. Humpty Dumpty never did fall. He was too busy in watching the cook making his jello without any book. <laughs> a rewriting of Rip Van Winkle said he was kept away from town for so long, not because he was sleeping, but because gnomes kept feeding him jello. Oh, okay. Oh, no. A rewriting of Little Red Riding Hood said the wolf preferred jello to humans. So everybody Aww. was saved. Some recipe books also contained cartoons and riddles. So here are a couple of riddles for you. Why is Jello like a man with his chair pulled out from under him? Why? Because it sets faster. Oh, oh gosh. No. Why is Jello like a woman taking a package of raisins to Europe? <laughs> Please tell me. 
<laughs> it makes a little fruit go such a long way. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm done with the riddles. Oh, good. You're spared. <laughs> so, just in case I didn't already dislike Jello, now they've ruined classic literature. So, <laughs> now I really dislike them. Well, let's talk about some of the other things they did. Did they drop Jello from the Empire State Building? Yes. Certainly. No. Oh, uh, missed opportunity. Yes. I'm not sure what that would prove. I don't know, but it would be cool. It would be cool. <laughs> yeah, it would be cool. <laughs> what about giving children nightmares? Yes. Uh, yes. Yes, fictionally anyway. In a 1920s ad, uh, you see a child being comforted after waking up from a nightmare where someone stole their jello. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How about emphasizing the fact that their flavors were artificial? No. Well, they probably wanted to say they were natural. You would think, but actually, no. Okay, so that was their flex. Although Jell-O had used artificial flavors in all but their citrus flavors since the 1930s, they capitalized on the technology craze of the 50s to introduce flavors labeled imitation in 1956. These were called imitation black cherry, imitation grape, and imitation black raspberry. The tagline was almost like the real thing. <laughs> it's fake. <laughs> Speaking of technology, because of the electric refrigerator, which was common in most U.S. households by the 1940s and provided cool, consistent temperatures for setting Jello, Jello became a sort of status symbol by the mid-century. Hmm. Of course, in case you're wondering, you didn't need a refrigerator to make Jello because Jello had been around much longer than refrigerators. For years, people had been using cellars, wells, snow piles, and ice boxes to set their Jello. Mm -hmm. Let people know you have Jello money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about creating recipes for the Ritz Carlton Hotel? Is that something they did? Yes. Yes. No. Oh. oh. What about creating a sneaky recipe that required customers to use more Jello? Oh, yes. certainly. Yes. And this is one that you all will probably remember, as do I. In the 80s and 90s, to combat women working instead of being full time homemakers, Jello tried to promote easy recipes. One, which was Jello squares that set in an hour and could be picked up, became a recipe using cookie cutters to create what they called. Jigglers. Yes. Jigglers. Jigglers. Yes. yes, I remember those. Marketing manager Dana Joya said, we all laughed because it sounded kind of obscene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we liked the alliteration. So we went around and asked the secretaries if they thought it was dirty. <laughs> and apparently those secretaries said no because Jigglers became the name. There you go. So one plus to this recipe was not only that it was simple for people that didn't have a lot of time or interest in spending on making fancy Jello desserts, but it also used four times the standard amount of Jello. Yeah, oh my goodness! This is true. Well, let's keep the train rolling on advertising <laughs> and look at some slogans. Which of the following were real slogans used in Jello advertising? Hello, Jello. Yes. Yes. No. Oh, okay. We don't get any more whippings. Yes. 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 <laughs> the rest of the ad explains, our mama makes jello for us and we don't have to get into her jelly jars anymore. Oh, okay. Uh. 
Better than no dessert at all. <laughs> yes, I want that to be true. I'm going to say no. No? Oh, darn. <laughs> Keeping trouble out of the kitchen. Yes. 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 The ad showed a picture of a woman pulling something smoking out of an oven. <laughs> uh, burn the jello. <laughs> it wiggles. Yes. Yes. No. Oh. Jello again. No. <laughs> no. Yes. No. no, Pete Campbell, why? <laughs> this is how Jack Benny began his radio shows. Oh, wow. Yeah. How sweet it isn't. No. No. Yes. Uh, Move over, cakes and pies. Yes. Yes. No. Oh. It's National Jello Week. Please, we need that. Yes. Yes. And I have some more information on this one. The 1950s saw a uh, be the first kid on your block to have Jello for breakfast week. And because these were like a trend. So it was always National Jello Week, but each week had a theme. So one of them was be the first kid on your block to have Jello for breakfast. National kids just love to sprinkle Jello on cereal week. Does that sound normal? No. <laughs> no. None of this has sounded normal. Uh, the ad said, you eat fruit in the morning. Why not some tangy fruit flavored jello? Because <laughs> it's not real. How about not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one's healthy and one's not. How about the slogan, if it was there, you'd eat it? <laughs> oh. I want that to be true. If you had it, you'd I'm, go for it. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> awesome. And I have a commercial for this one. So uh, if you don't already follow us on Instagram, uh, do so. And you'll get to see that commercial this week in our stories. Jello Gelatin's place is a kid's face. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh, no. Don't be a jello brain. Have a jello tummy. Uh, uh, no. 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 <laughs> Which of the following varieties of Jello were sold at some point during the 20th century? Chocolate. Yes. No. Yes, this no. was 1906. Coffee. Yes. Yes. Yes, in 1918. Uh, and these aren't just flavors, they're also varieties of Jello. So, what about uh, a Jello variety that can be used as salad dressing? Oh, yes. certainly. No. Uh. Cola flavored Jello. Yes. 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 Nineteen forty-two. Tie-dyed Jello. No. Yes. No, but I want it to be real. <laughs> I do. Yes. Diabetic Jello. Yes. 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 This was nineteen twenty-five, which I'm amazed it was that early. That is mm -hmm. impressive. Uh, this was called uh, D Zerta, which is the letter D dash Z E R T A. D Zerta. It was a sugar-free jello made with saccharin, and it came in the flavors lemon, raspberry, and orange. Hmm. Jello salad varieties. Yes. 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 These came out in 1964. Salad gelatins came in flavors like, are you prepared to no, hear this? No, I'm not. Celery, mm. mixed vegetable, Seasoned tomato and Italian salad. All of those sound absolutely disgusting. Uh, yeah. I These jellos called for the addition of vinegar to the mix. Of oh. course. And, yes, that, that's just the touch it needed. <laughs> They're appealing to the British palate with vinegar. <laughs> what about jello pops? Yes. Yes. Yes, 1984. Jello packed with dried fruit. Yes. Yes. 
false. Oh. You could do that, and I'm sure there are recipes for that, but it didn't come packaged that way. Oh, okay. Jello pastels. Yes, for Easter. Uh, no. Yes, 1972. It was made to be made with milk or cream instead of water. Oh, okay. It didn't last very long, probably because people you realized that if you wanted that effect, you could just use regular Jello and add milk instead of water. This you didn't true. need the special Jello pastel. Um, it's interesting, Logan, that you said Easter because Easter became one of Jello's biggest holidays. Um, as far as sales go, and it's so colorful. Probably. They also put out uh, egg molds. Yes, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, in the 90s. I do I remember had those. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about champagne jello? Yes. 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 Uh, this was in 1997 to celebrate jello's 100th anniversary. The flavor was sparkling white grape. It was intended to be made with carbonated beverages and called itself the champagne of Jell-O. <laughs> the champagne of Jell-O. Oh, Ooh, wow. Oh, yes. <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> what about Jell-O bubble bath? Oh, please uh, no. No. I imagine it might be good for your skin. But no. Uh, no, this is not true. Jell-O, if you're listening, you can have that one on me. <laughs> What about Jello that separated as it set? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes, and it makes more sense when I describe it. This was 1969's Jello One Two Three. It was whipped as you made it, and then as it chilled, it separated into a gelatin bottom, a chiffon middle, and a whip top. Huh. I don't know how it does that. I want some. Yeah, that does sound kind of. I don't. Know, I, don't. I mean, I don't want to eat it. Yeah. But I, I just want to make it. Action. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do a time lapse photography to like. Okay, that would be kind of cool. Watch it separate. What about Jello for pets? Yes. Yes. Uh, no. Oh. And that's probably good because I, I'm no expert, but I don't believe you should give Jello to your pets. The sugar's not good for them, and then if you sugar free, the artificial sweetener's not good for them. True. What about bubblegum flavor? I'm sure. Yes. This was part of a 1960s Canada line of Jell-O called Fantasy Flavors. Hmm. This includes not only bubblegum, but root beer and cinnamon. You know, your fantasies. Yeah. (laughs) What about Jell-O gelatin yogurt? Yes. Yes. Yeah, we just can't leave yogurt alone. <laughs> this was yogurt that had a gelatin texture, because people want that. Mm-hmm. It was created in 1995 and marketed to children. What about new Jello? New, Yes, with new Coke. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's what I thought of, too, was new Coke. Yeah, to help waning sales in the mid-30s. So they were way ahead of new Coke. They were like 50 years ahead of new Coke. General Foods introduced something called new Jello. And advertised it as, quote, all the fruit flavor, tart, and juicy fresh is right there, imprisoned in the tender, shining jello. Imprisoned. (laughs) That's as bad as suspended. Ads told women that they could discover new jello superiority by smelling it compared to the smells of competitors. So if you look at ads around this time, it's just a bunch of women smelling boxes of gelatin. Okay. How about art supplies made with jello? Yes. Sure. Let's go for it. No. Although there is a kernel of truth in this one. The 20th century has seen people use Jell-O for art, uh, and it's especially good for children's crafts because you don't have to worry about them ingesting it. 
Okay. Jello's many uses go beyond art supplies, though. Which of the following are true stories of Jello coming to their rescue? Jello was used for a special effect in The Wizard of Oz. True. 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 The horse of a different color in The Wizard of Oz was actually six different horses colored with Jello powder. Okay. But even before the movie, Jello had ties to The Wizard of Oz. The 1933 radio show adaptation of the Wizard of Oz books offered four little Wizard of Oz books to listeners who sent in jello box tops. The books had a back cover picture of the scarecrow and tin man carrying a large jello mold. An advertising insert read, Surely a wizard invented jello desserts, and Magic, right in Mother's Kitchen. Jello desserts seem like something right out of Oz. There were also included recipes like emerald fruit cup. I think that's pretty brilliant. Okay, I do like that. How about Jello being used as an industrial adhesive to prevent a bridge collapse? Oh, I want that no. to be so true. I want it to be true. It is not. That's a shame. How about Jello being used to catch spies? Uh, sure. Yes. Yes. Part of the case against the Rosenbergs who were tried and convicted of espionage and executed in 1951, was Julius Rosenberg's use of a jello box that was cut into a unique shape that he used to help those in the network of spies recognize each other. Hmm. How about jello being used to preserve books? <laughs> yes. 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 The Molesworth Institute found that Jell-O preserves books by neutralizing acids and strengthening fibers in the paper. They also said if you use lemon Jell-O, then everything's pre-highlighted for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> How about Jell-O being used to save sea life? No. Sure. No. Oh. How about Jell-O being used to feed astronauts? Yes. Uh, yes. Yes, when astronaut Shannon Lucid joined Russian cosmonauts on the Mir space station in 1996, she took advantage of their refrigerator to make jello. She did this by having the powder put into foil drink bags. She added water and chilled it, then they ate it out of the pouch with spoons. The Russians liked it so much that they eagerly awaited each Sunday and which is when she would make it. And when she lost her shoe, she offered a jello pack as a prize to the person who found it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Commander Valerie Corzin said, The most delicious desserts are here, thanks to Shannon. And now that Shannon is going back to Earth, she has left these delicacies to us. Oh, wow. Delicacy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Delic yeah. Ooh. In case you're wondering, some additional uses for jello are plant food. Cleaner for dishwashers, mm. uh, but if you do this, use the sugar-free yeah. kind. Uh, hair setting lotion, and for this, it's recommended that you use sugar-free lemon, and it will make your hair stiff, but after you brush it out, it's apparently very glossy and nice, <laughs> and smells like lemon. And hair color, which was popular amongst uh, the punk population. They would dissolve sugar-free jello into a conditioner, or sometimes they just dissolved it in water and used it that way. Interesting. Yep. 
Now, I've heard of Kool-Aid being used for that, but never Jell-O. When I was in middle school, people often used Kool-Aid for uh, hair dye. And I remember going on a trip uh, to Kings Island. So we were outdoors all day and I was in line for a ride. And there was a girl in front of me who had Kool-Aid dyed hair and it started to rain. (laughs) And all the color was running down her body. It was awful. (laughs) We had a girl on our softball team who did that. And every time she used a batting helmet, she would sweat and get it all over the batting helmet. And we were like, you got to stop doing that because we don't want to use this batting helmet after you. Oh, no. It was quite, yeah, quite disgusting. You know, along the lines of Jell-O and Kool-Aid, another thing I read was that a group of teenagers got in trouble somewhere in the United States. I can't remember what state. They got in trouble because they were mixing jello powder with sugar and then selling it as something called happy powder oh no which i'm guessing they were like you know oh it's like drugs or something so they got in trouble uh but i remember happy powder when i was in school but it wasn't jello it was once again kool-aid <laughs> but we knew it was kool-aid we knew it was just kool-aid and sugar but it was still really great there are so many things I don't know about you. Right? <laughs> Jello wrestling, happy powder. My wild youth. <laughs> but did you find out anything? Is Jello still made of animal products? So Yes. So as a vegan, I can't have Jello. That's too bad, which I don't want Jello. But I do know there's some, I think you can get non-animal product Jello. Like you can get a vegan version of Jello. Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure you can. Still don't want it, though. But I think Jell-O and gelatin in general um, are still animal products. Yeah. And uh, interestingly, I did read that there was discussion about whether it's kosher uh, uh. because it bears a K mark, um, which is sort of generic kosher, which apparently doesn't tie back to any sort of like governing body because there are some symbols like the U in a circle that uh, tie to some sort of organization that guarantees the food is kosher. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is just a K saying it's kosher. Uh, And so to questions about that, because gelatin from for jello is generally made with pig skin. Yeah. Which I'm going to ruin everybody's day and say, if you eat cereal that has marshmallows in it, those are often made with pig skin. Absolutely. As well, which ruined Count Chocula for me. (laughs) Um, So questions about, like, how can you say this is kosher? They said, well, we have rabbis that inspect the plant. um, And these rabbis put out a statement saying that the rendering process and the chemicals used turn it into something that is no longer pork. Oh, that's terrifying. (laughs) It has become something beyond what it was. I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Jello. It's no longer pork. (laughs) (laughs) I want that on a bumper sticker. Well, that's all for us today. Thank you for listening. And if you're keeping track on your officially licensed Hypnotic History bingo card, today we were visited by the following cats, Paige and Rosemary on the Stairs. Hypnotic History is researched by me, Ashley Skidmore, with music and technical wizardry by the jocular Andrew Logan Skidmore. Follow us on Instagram by searching for hypnotic.history or by clicking the link in the episode description. Until next week, listeners, peace and love. Peace.